Suncast is brought to you by SunGrow, providing clean power for all. Suncast is also brought to you by Trina Solar. Episode 71 of Suncast. You know, we're competing head-to-head against lithium-ion in roughly 90% of the transactions that were out there. This is Suncast. In every battle, there's a front line. On that front line are warriors whose courage and actions shape the outcome of the battle. The world is currently engaged in a literal power struggle, a battle in global energy as it evolves from fossil fuels to renewable energy. Suncast is a conversation with solar warriors on the front lines, building the most noble and impactful companies of our time. We learn their secrets to personal and professional growth, market development, and industry insights. And now, join solar industry veteran, Latin America fanatic, and your host, Nico Johnson. Hey, welcome back, Solar Warriors. This is episode 71 of Suncast. This is another Tactical Tuesday, a weekly short-form conversation with subject matter experts to give you the edge in building your solar business, career, and brand. And this week, I want to highlight a clip from one of our somewhat recent shows. Consider this an in case you missed it. Back in episode 59, Mike Grineau and I went on a deep dive into the topic of solar plus storage, in particular storage technology known as flow batteries. We discussed an awful lot of excellent topics around the ins and outs of developing and even selling energy storage products. But it was his answer to one question in particular that set the stage for this Tactical Tuesday. Mike is the VP of Marketing for Vision Energy, which is a flow battery manufacturer. Now, I consider Mike one of my go-to experts when I need to really get a level set on the value proposition of how to sell either a specific product or in particular markets or verticals. You know, his years at GE, Trina Solar, and numerous startups have honed his ability to really truly craft the story and understand all the variables for bringing a technology to market. But Mike is more than a marketing genius. He is completely consumed with and dedicated to the notion that we deserve and have to be on a carbon-free grid. And I believe you are going to love hearing the passion that he has, and it's going to exude in today's little episode. Well, stay tuned to learn, why is lithium-ion the dominant technology, and will that continue? What is a flow battery, and how is it different from other chemistries? What's similar? What's not? The three critical things to understand about batteries, duty cycle, cooling cycle, and electrodegradation including definitions of all of these. What is the difference between power and energy? And how batteries can actually help a customer take advantage of these so-called ancillary services? Now, you can get a whole lot more detail on all of these topics and drive down the rabbit hole yourself over on the blog, where I've listed a lot of the sites and insights that I gleaned in prepping for this episode. And of course, you should check out the entire original interview with Mike back in episode 59, which I also link to on the blog. So tune in and tune up your skills, Solar Warriors. Thanks for checking out another Tactical Tuesday and share this episode with someone that you think should learn more about battery storage. Hey, this episode is brought to you in partnership with SolRates.com, the fast and free online platform for providing your commercial customers with a credible lease financing proposal. If you have projects over $100,000 in value, and you'd like to see how SolRates can help you quickly and easily deliver a financing proposal to those customers, please head over to mysuncast.com 
forward slash soul, S-O-L, rates, R-A-T-E-S, and click on that request an invitation button. Thanks again for setting aside this time in your day. Let me just tee up with this question that prompted Mike's answer to today's episode. What are the most common misconceptions that you have to correct or educate with regards to storage as a category? Now, here we go with Mike Gruneau. So Vision is a 10-year-old company. We, we manufacture a flow battery. We're building currently the largest flow batteries in Central America, in North America, in India, and we're contracted for the largest flow battery in Europe. We started commercial shipments about two years ago. To get back to your question, you know, what is the largest misconception? I believe that it has to do with this perception that lithium-ion is the preferred long-term solution for stationary storage and that it's just going to dominate, right? Because it does have market share leadership over the past two to three years of a burgeoning industry where we have seen single service application markets pop up, whether it's PJM or SoCal Edison, we've seen large stationary batteries start to take hold for specific applications. I want to back up one step, like one level up and say, what does flow battery even mean? If I'm actually like trying to figure out storage, what's the difference between flow battery versus Tesla's Powerwall lithium ion or, or whatever it is that, you know, Enphase is offering or whatever it is that SAFT is offering. And I'm, I'm okay at this point, right? Like tell me the differentiating factors of vision. I also don't mind if you go ahead and brag about like the fact that you guys are NREL funded and you're like one of the longest standing companies in the industry, but like set the stage where you guys differentiate, but take for granted that, that we understand the specific terminology that you use. So I'll call you out on it if you don't mind and ask you to, to drill down on certain terminology as it comes out. So I hope, hope you don't mind if I interrupt, but if you could just explain flow battery and then like jump back into the pitch, because I would love to break it down and, and understand where the storage market is differentiated. Let me talk about battery along three different key technology features. A, duty cycle limitation, B, electrode degradation, and C, cooling required to prevent thermal runaway. And let's look at flow batteries versus lithium ion, right? With a flow battery, right, you have your two separate electrolytes and you can charge and discharge them up to two to three cycles a day. There are no limitations in terms of how you use a flow battery. With a lithium-ion battery, you can only use at max one cycle a day. And now you're even hearing that you're not supposed to keep your phone on your charger overnight because the battery doesn't want to be exposed to that type of long-duration current, especially at top and bottom of what's called the state of charge. Mm. And the state of charge on your phone is actually that little green battery. So when it's fully green, it's uh, 100%. And when it's red, it's on the bottom. So duty cycle limitation is one of them. And we always tell our customers, drive it like a rental, right? (laughs) Essentially, every time you're using a battery, a typical battery that's not a flow battery, you are essentially eating away at your warranted cycles, right? So lithium ion manufacturers, they're like big brother. They watch how you drive it. You know, they're like that insurance company that's got the chip in your car that can sense the G's and your insurance rate's going to go up or down based on whether you drive like a granny or you drive like a maniac. Mm-hmm. The fact is that, you know, duty cycle limitation is a, uh, a huge impediment to using batteries to their full potential. Electrode degradation, right? So when you look at 
a flow battery manufacturer's warranty versus a lithium-ion battery manufacturer's warranty, our battery basically says we're going to maintain 85 to 90% amp-hour capacity for 20 years. And when you look at the Tesla warranty or you look at the LG or the Samsung warranty, which, by the way, is 35 pages long compared to mine, which is three pages long, and it's full of legalese and trapdoors about what you can and can't do. It reminds me of the Saturday Night Live Happy Fun Ball commercial, right? Like, do not play with Happy Fun Ball. Do not bring Happy Fun Ball outside. Do not play with it in the rain. Do not let your kids touch it. It's the same situation here because it basically says if you don't use your power wall in the first 10 years, if you just keep it in your garage, it'll be worth about 70% of what it was when it was straight out of the box. It'll just have natural aging and decay. If you actually use it, like half a cycle a day or one full cycle a week, it's going to be less than that. And if you use it every day, I think their warranty is between 40 and Mm. 55% after eight years or something like that. And it's constantly changing and it's getting better. Mm -hmm. But that gets back to the phone discussion that we had, right? Those batteries, the instant you charge them, the instant you start to discharge them, chemicals within them start to migrate. Think of it like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. We all loved them as kids. I still love them. (laughs) Right. With extra crunchy peanut butter, please. You know, you make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich for me. I, I like to eat it within the first three hours. Right. You make them. I, I make them for my kids all day long and they eat them at lunchtime. But if your kid doesn't eat, your, eat his peanut butter and jelly sandwich and you find it in his book bag that night, you know, the jelly and the peanut butter has migrated into the bread and the bread gets soggy. The same thing happens with a lithium ion battery. Those chemicals that are locked up in their moral equivalent of peanut butter and jelly start to migrate into the bread. And that's the that's what drives the accelerated capacity decay. We've talked a little bit about duty cycle limitation and electro degradation. And yeah. the last one is cooling required to prevent thermal runaway. Thermal runaway is the PC term for a massive fire. A lithium-ion battery and all batteries have a ton of pent-up energy in chemical bonds, right? That energy, when released, is almost like the energy that comes out of a match head with phosphorus. There's no amount of water you can spray on it. There's no amount of dry powder you can put on it because when the dry powder is removed and the fire is done being suffocating, the fire will just start up again. I don't know if you Mm. recall, but my father was the chief of the local volunteer fire department growing up. And in his office, there was a cabinet and he had every commercial industrial facility around town and he had a fire plan for that facility based on the chemicals they have. I've talked to no less than 10 fire chiefs close family friends about lithium ion batteries and the only plan they have for a lithium ion battery fire is to spray the surrounding buildings and let the fire de-energize there really mm-hmm. is no way to put one out it's it's going to burn until it's completely de-energized you compare that to a flow battery and you know flow batteries can especially visions battery they thrive in hot temperatures there's no HVAC required. You know, they have a large thermal mass, and so there's not a ton of additional auxiliary loads. And they're non-flammable, they're non-toxic, they're non-explosive. And, you know, if you really think about where batteries create the most commercial value, it's really at the grid edge, right, where they can provide behind-the-meter services and front-of-the-meter services, which is code for different multiple income streams. That's where people work. That's where people play. And frankly, that's right near extremely high value grid infrastructure. What does that mean, high value grid infrastructure? One of the favorite locations for front of the meter, large format uh, energy storage is at or near an existing substation, right? Like utility, yeah, utility infrastructure. Yeah, 
Yeah, so these substations, right, you've seen them when you're driving along the highway. You know, they're, the, it, it, they're all behind a fence. It's a bunch of switches, a bunch of transformers, and right. they're all painted gray. That's a great place to put a battery, right, because the battery can provide ancillary services, frequency regulation, bolt bar control, spinning reserve, and energy balancing services as well. And the notion of putting a battery, especially, you know, one that has a propensity for thermal runaway right next to it, so if that battery were to have a short and go, you know, into kind of thermal runaway mode as a lithium ion solution, you know, we're starting to see more and more fire departments come out with requirements to have those batteries be placed no closer than 150 yards to high value grid infrastructure. Mm. And uh, with a flow battery like Visions, you don't need that type of offset in terms of uh, ease of sighting and permitting. So can we go back just to a previous question? Can you explain what a flow battery is at its core? Absolutely. So a flow battery is a battery that has two tanks, right? One of analyte and one of catholite. These two tanks of solution, and in Vision's case, they're filled up with zinc salts, iron salts, and KOH, get pumped through a stack. And when they're in a stack, those fluids pass down through what's called a cell, and the analyte and the catholite are separated by a membrane. And that membrane allows nothing to flow except for electrons, Mm -hmm. right? So there will be in half of each cell, in Vision's case, we'll be depositing and plating uh, zinc onto a large Mm -hmm. iron plate. When that happens, electrons are freed up, just like when the sun hits a solar cell. And those electrons pass through the membrane and are picked up by an electrode on the other side. So if you can imagine in a solar panel, You've got 60 cells or 72 cells building up current and voltage. The same thing can be said for a vision stack. A vision stack is a stack of about 45 cells. It's about the size of a college refrigerator, right? And that stack can generate up to about 18 kilowatts of power. And if you throw the switch one way, it charges up. 18 kilowatts of power for four hours, and you're plating that zinc on the iron, almost like uh, plating a penny with copper. And then you flow the throw the switch the other way, and you can discharge 18 kilowatts for four hours. And so then what we do is when we've got you know this 18 kilowatt four hour stack, we wire 12 of those up in series, and we have a uh, you know a roughly 200 kilowatt battery with some pretty massive tanks, right? In 40-foot shipping containers, you've got a 200-kilowatt, four-hour battery, and it can discharge 200 kilowatts for four hours and charge 200 kilowatts for four hours till the cows come home. But if you want to run it at half power, Uh it can run for eight hours, for example. If I understand correctly, then basically it is a transfer of an electrolyte. I mean, you basically said salt water and potassium, which is what the kind of fundamental ingredients in Gatorade, right? (laughs) Well, yeah. So, I mean, you, you fill this up with mostly water, right? And then the zinc salts and the iron salts are basically uh, food additives, right? Uh-huh. And stuff that's used in common additives to, to road salt, right? Yeah. And so that's one of the Is this stuff that you can secure locally or do you have to ship these specific things to your customers? No, that's a, that's a perfect question because one of the key differences between Vision and other flow batteries is that, you know, these are commodities that are used for other very large industries, and they're globally available in the purities that we require, right? Mm. So when we're deploying a flow battery in Australia, we buy it there in the purities we require. Wow. And, and even in Nicaragua, you're buying it there in the purities you require. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's amazing. Now that, 
it, well, it's it, it's a completely different approach, right? Because yeah. if, if you if you look at lithium ion, right, and there was a study produced this week that said right now, if you look at the demand for just electric vehicles in ten years, we are going to need to increase the production of lithium by a factor of eighteen times above current production levels. Yeah. Right. So there are no rare earth metals. There are no oddball chemicals. 100% of the materials that we use in the production of our batteries are basically available uh, commonly. And when people say, mm-hmm. you know, how are you going to scale manufacturing? I look them dead in the eye and I say, you know, if you look at the supply chains for the materials we use, I already have 100 gigafactories mm. worldwide. I'm thinking through the through the lens of a developer here, and I don't know the answer to this question, just want to caveat that. What I hear you saying then is like if I'm doing projects in remote areas of the world, let's call it Latin America emerging markets, and a lot of my audience is Latin America, and you mentioned Nicaragua, so I'm going to pinpoint that. Basically, like I'm not shipping uh, these dangerous chemicals. I, like I should be able to save on logistics and delivery timeline. Yeah, well, you know, in terms of battery lead times, normally inverters and transformers are longer than our battery. And mm-hmm. our batteries shipped empty and they ship dry, right? Meaning the tank the tanks are empty and when they get to the site so we lighter, so it costs less. Right. And so we schedule then the delivery of the water trucks and we schedule the installation commissioning and we mm-hmm. call it the, the pour up, right? Where we mix and pour up the electrolytes on site. Right. And the electrolyte is rated as what's called on the NFPA scale a, a two zero zero. So if, if you're driving down the street and you look at the back of the tanker trucks, you know they've got those symbols for what's inside and how hazardous it is. Mm. And they're rated on you know flammability, toxicity, and you know whether or not they're explosive. Yeah. And we're a two zero zero, which is like the moral equivalent of Purell, that stuff that you rub on your hands. NFPS National Fire Protection Association, and basically this rating is the health risk, flammability, and retroactivity of the right. product. Yeah, and just and just about any environmental health and safety or fireman can look at the back of any tanker truck that's rolling down the street and tell you what's inside, whether it's liquid propane or right. milk. Right. And everything has a rating and it's all clearly labeled. The other thing, and this is jumping two questions back or two topics back, and it's worth noting that, you know, with most batteries, if you want to grow a system from a three hour system to a five hour system or from a 30 minute system to a two hour system, you just have to add more batteries. However, with a vision system, 80 percent of the cost is in the battery stack. And if you want to expand the duration, you just need to make the tanks bigger. Hey, one more thing before you go, Solar Warriors. This Thursday, I'll be doing a redux of some of the more interesting answers to the hot or hype segment of Suncast. So I hope you'll join me in a couple of days for that episode. And I also hope you'll join me on the road. I'll be in San Francisco in Northern California in a couple of weeks for the Solar Asset Management Conference that Solar Plaza is putting on. If you are going to be around, if you live in Northern California already, and you'd like to just catch a beer or coffee or even appear on Suncast, would you reach out, hit me up on LinkedIn, or shoot me an email, nico at mysuncast.com. I would love to meet you, of course, if we're old friends. I want to see you, and I just wanted to use this opportunity to say, coming to Northern California, it happens a couple of times a year, and I don't want to miss out on the chance to catch up with you. That's a wrap on today's conversation, Solar Warriors, and you're now well-armed for battle. Hopefully, you'll take away some great tools for your own success. 
I'd love it if you'd share what you learned or share the episode over on LinkedIn. Let me know what other tools you need. If you want to sharpen the axe a little bit more, I've shared some of the resources we discussed in today's conversation over at mysuncast.com. Just click on the latest episode link in the title bar. Perhaps the best tool in your arsenal might be subscribing to the mailing list while you're there so that you'll get an email from yours truly when new content is available. Have a suggestion for someone you think should join the conversation? Email me, nico at mysuncast.com or shoot me a message on LinkedIn. Hey, that's it. Thanks for being here. Until next time, stay informed, my friend, and stay tuned.